So we are back to talk about the last episode of The Watchmen, uh, HBO's Watchmen. And I gotta say, Preston, uh, off the bat, I, I wasn't as impressed with it. There's just something about this episode that I'm not really digging. Because right. we came off, uh, I forgot what we gave episode 7. I believe it was like an 8 or a 9. I think I gave it an yeah. 8, I forgot. And then we come off episode 8, which for me was a 10 out of 10. For you was a 9 out of 10. And this yeah. episode, I don't know. Something about it just didn't. It was. It was. It, it was it good. It was okay. But... It was okay. It was good. Mm-hmm. It's just by comparison of the other nine episodes, it's the weakest of the nine. You think in so? In my opinion, yeah. I mean, but I, I would still give it like a seven out of ten. But it, it, I don't think it had the punch of the previous eight episodes. Like each one. I mean, there's a few things, like, I, I, I watched the episode twice, and I've been mulling over, like, what didn't quite hit, like, fully. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, at first I was like, oh, did, was it just that they didn't explain a lot of the plot points? And I'm like, no. They, like, after my second watch, I was like, no, they, most things really make sense. I mean, they never explained Lube Man, but... Oh, I actually um, know... Uh... I actually know about Lube Man. I went on the Pedipedia for once that our fans have been like yelling at us to do. I actually know yeah. about Lube so Man. So he's he, is he Pedi? Um, well, let's uh, let's go into this and I'll tell you afterwards. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. So, uh, well, or la- later on in the podcast, mm-hmm. I'm <laughs> okay. gonna I'm gonna read out the Wikipedia synopsis, uh, the long one actually. Uh, True, True, shown to be the daughter of Vite from artificial insemination, yeah. visits Vite in uh, Antarctica in 2008 a year before Dr. Manhattan shows up to Vite uh, in 2009. She tells him about her identity and knows of Vite's squid attack, and while it stopped humanity from destroying itself, it only put off the inevitable. Instead, she wants Vite's financial help to build a quantum accelerator to take the powers of Dr. Manhattan so she can enact a more permanent solution. So you were correct in a sense that Lady True also was a villain, but we both theorized that um, she would be the villain for season two. Uh, no, I mean, I thought she'd be the villain here. I don't think there was going to be a season two. Or, I mean, I don't think it was planned for. Um, no, I mean, I thought uh, the uh, the things I got right was, yeah, I suspected that Os- Osmandius was inside the, the statue the whole time. Yes, that, um, I think you were the only, one of the very few people who actually really guessed that. And it's interesting, <laughs> too, because I looked around, not a lot of people were getting that. But no, we theorized that, uh, Lady True, they'll probably have to be dealing with her for season two. That maybe she might have been revealed as a villain in season one at the end of season one. But for season two, it would be very Lady True. She's the problem. She's the final villain centric for, for season two. And then we made the joke that Lube Man would be the, the villain for season three. Well, I, I said that if they were going to do a season two, they would need to, it would, ha- it would have to be about Owl, you know, because she right. was so left out of this season. You know, mm-hmm. So. And it's funny too because uh, while we're uh, we're shown that uh, a lot of the I, I believe uh, I believe Adrian had a lot of Viet- Vietnamese refugees in Antarctica yeah. helping him out with everyday things. A random cleaning woman uh, basically takes uh, a vial of his sperm, and I like that he keeps it right behind in his office, right behind. Yes, a huge. Now, now there's there's <laughs> clearly some sort of statement being made about about the creation of life. And family and what it means. Mm. So, like when you when you think about um, John Osterman when he when he gets taken in and, and rescued by 
the the British couple that he then honors um, uncreatively as Adam and Eve on on his on his on Europa. Um, their explanation to him when they were having sex was that they were creating life, um, that there was this, uh, you know, deep part of humanity with, you know, and bound into this. And, you know, it's kind of, even though, look, I, I think it's fine if people don't choose to have children, um, but I, I think there's, there's no doubt that there's something biological that drives us to have sex, and that's procreation. Um, and that's, uh, they were connecting kind of the, the natural way to produce offspring and the natural way to create life was through love and sex and, and that um, idea. And there's something incredibly perverse about uh, Bien uh, sneaking in and to a, to a man she kind of despises but admires stealing his sperm, producing Lady True, and then having Lady True go on to clone people. You know, there, there was something corrupt about um, the whole thing. And it gets into, like, it, go, it gets into Lady True's psyche um, and why, at least according to the story, Lady True is unfit to be Dr. Manhattan. Um, at least, you know, to Adrian Veidt. And I think we're, we're supposed, I think that's one of the reasons, one of, well, we're jumping to the end, but I think one of the things that fell flat about the last episode is they hadn't established Lady True as a villainous person yet. Not, not, not sufficiently. Um, I think all in all, she gets like less than 25 minutes, maybe less than 30 minutes of screen time. Yeah. I mean, had Lady True become Dr. Manhattan, am I, am I, supposed to believe that the world was going to be horrible. Well, only, the only thing, the only judgment is, is Adrian Veidt's kind of... Saying her ambition on, knows no bounds. Yeah. Like, based on his, like, five, min, five minutes of conversation, you know, and then ten years later, five minutes of conversation. Like, based on that, he's decided that, no, she, she's going to be a horrible person that's going to make everybody, you know, worship her. Um, so I didn't get the sense that after the after um, Cyclops was defeated, that there was anything on the line. Like had Lady True become Doctor Manhattan, I don't know if the world would have been bad, you know, um, or not. I mean, Adrian Veidt, who's freaking psychotic, like tells me that he believes it, and you know. But other than that, but getting back to this, I think they're trying to establish like this backstory of everything about Lady True is unnatural. She doesn't understand human nature she, and love, and she wasn't raised properly. Well, she wasn't produced properly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that there was some sort of statement being made there, like that John Osterman's lesson from the British couple, the unnamed British couple, and they never got names, but... Um, Crookshanks and, and what, what was the other woman? Mr. Phillips. Mr. Phillips and Crookshanks. Um, proto Crookshanks and proto Phillips. Mm-hmm. Like that's supposed to be this great lesson. Um, but uh, I don't know. Of, of that, you know, love and sex are this wonderful thing that, you know, that can create life. But in this caring, nurturing environment, 
and Lady True is created not that. Um, and maybe that's why Lady True ended up supposedly screwed up, though we never really see her very screwed up. You know, well, the audience like... gets the, the idea that she's very cold and calculated, and if yeah. you're going to have godlike, godlike powers, do you really want someone having those powers being very cold and calculated and very to the point and not somewhat benevolent or at least so neutral and so just... Uh, about a lot of things because right. John, I mean, John had the ability to do a lot of things but he never did which is a lot of right. there's, a lot of people get to that in this be, yeah there's supposed to be a huge criticism of John that John didn't do anything that that his his big flaw was that he just didn't care and he was disconnected he had godlike powers and didn't really use them you know um, like the big problem of Watchmen is that the Soviet Union and, and the United States are are going to nuclear war. And Dr. Manhattan has the power to end that at any time. And he doesn't do it. Instead, <laughs> you know? Adrian Veidt has to, like, you know, create a, a massive squid. You know, like, anybody could have been like, hey, Dr. Manhattan, can you just, you know, get rid of the nuclear weapons? Well, realistically speaking, how would he... I remember, it's been years, years since I've watched the Watchmen film. I've never read the comics. I think you, you have. There's, I remember yeah. there being a scene that Laurie, Laurie uh, Silk Spectre too, that she says to John, what if you can't stop all the missiles? What if one gets by? Um, I, I swear I remember a line like that. But what is John supposed to realistically do? Um, teleport to each and every one of the right. missile silos and disappear them off into like another galaxy. And pretty much. Okay, I mean, fine. So what if that happens? <laughs> then what if the U.S. and the and Russia kill each other in other ways? Just send their armies overseas to to each other's territories. Are you supposed to teleport yourself or clone, uh, make du duplicates of yourself into like hundreds of millions of? Uh, Dr. Manhattan's and teleports each person. Yeah, but I think the point being, it's it's not that Dr. Manhattan felt that he couldn't do it. I think he could. I think Dr. Manhattan didn't see the point. Like, he kind of, he said that, you know, there's no difference between a live body and a dead body. They have the same number of particles. Um, and so he didn't, he didn't really understand, which also kind of contradicts itself because at the end of Watchmen, he, he kills Rorschach to stop him from letting the secret out. But... Um, I don't know. Like he had, he was. It was in his power to bring world peace, and he just didn't do it. Which you know is the criticism. But so, what would have Lady True done? Uh, according to Adrian, she would have made everybody worship her. You know, but I don't know. There's. Not, I suppose you could you could write a lot of papers about Doctor Manhattan's personality and and all the contradictions about it. Um, but. I don't know when you're when you're living in several times at once and and you have infinite power. Who knows what happens to your mind? Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, she knows that Doctor Manhattan is on Europa and uh, she's planning on uh, sending a satellite up there, and she needs Adrian's help, and he just refuses to help. Um, on right, your... yeah, she wants she wants a loan. She wants a bunch of money, and he and he says, you know, basically. I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you nothing, and that's better than something. Or yeah, some because he came like from that. nothing. He <laughs> inherited his parents' wealth, and he gave it away, and he made something of himself. It's kind of like a test to himself that he he is someone. He is he is something. Right, but it's it, yeah. I mean, there, there's a strange like pull yourself up by the bootstraps uh, like 
fallacy that I think is getting brought up there. I mean, the whole, the whole series is about legacy and how we have the trauma of our parents um, and we're, we're either kept back or accelerated. Like, even if you take money out of the picture, of course, money is a huge part of the picture. Mm -hmm. Inheritance is a huge part of the picture. But even if you take money out of the picture, um, if you're raised by good parents, you know, you're going to do better than, than if you're not. And if you're raised by parents that have trauma, you've got, this, you've got something keeping you back. So Adrian Veidt, even though he perceives himself as the self-made man, yeah, no, he, he had help. <laughs> and Lady True, like, that, you know, Lady True, it, raised by a single mom with, with a lot of trauma, a lot, you know, she has a lot of baggage, you know, she's got, she's got things holding her back too. So it, it wasn't quite fair for him to say, oh, you know, you got to do it on your own. But she took it to heart. I mean, she became an Ayn Rand follower and, and um, really did believe that in mm. the end. That, that yeah. I, you can pull yourself up by the bootstraps. And I guess Lady True did. I mean, smartest woman in the world. Trillionaire, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... On Europa, Veidt uses the horseshoe to escape and lands outside the castle. So it takes him a year to build that, that little hole uh, in, in, the, in the ground? Yeah, he, a year to, to dig the hole. And, and then, um, yeah, so he was in prison for at least a year. Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't know how long the trial was, but whatever the case is, his entire time on, on Europa is eight years. I think that, is that a, was that a cake made of shit? I have no idea. Or, I, I or don't, maybe it was mud? I, I want to think it was made of mud. I, 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 that's my headcanon there for that. Uh, <laughs> so Adrian makes the hole. He gets in there, and uh, he sees the ship landing on Europa. And the game warden tries to stop him from leaving, but Vite stab, stabs him with the horseshoe, revealing that he created the game warden to be the adversary over the last eight years as part of, the, as part of his play, The Watchmaker's Son. Uh, the craft lifts yeah. off, showing that Vite actually spelled out, Save Me Daughter to be captured by Truce Pro because in their last conversation in 2008, she, when she mentions that I'm your daughter, he says to her, I will never call you daughter. This is also something I didn't know about Adrian Veidt. Um, apparently, he's never really like given himself to another woman. Well, so in the original Watchmen comic, it's, um, it's implied that, that Veidt is gay. Mm. Uh, certainly, Roar, certainly Rorschach thinks he's gay and wants to wants to investigate further because Rorschach thinks being gay is wrong and immoral. Huh. Um, but yeah, this is this is something that's mentioned is that, you know, he yeah. So right at the beginning, Rorschach calls him, yeah, this like liberal gay intellect, you know, intellectual type. And then he's like, uh, maybe I need to research whether he's actually gay. And you're like, I don't know, I don't know. Who knows, you know, Rorschach's mind is fucked up. So, so uh, the, 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 what they're getting at is he's, he said, like, like Alexander. Well, Alexander, this is back in the day when, you know, with the Greeks and, and man-boy love and stuff. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what they're, they're making a joke at, that, that right. perhaps Adrian Veidt, like, takes after the old... Greek tradition, ancient Greek tradition of, of, you know, having sex with young boys if you're an intellectual. Um, or maybe he just doesn't have sex at all. We don't know. He, it's left, left ambiguous. But the old uh, Socrates and um, 
other people, if you read, you know, Plato's Symposium, mm. the, the philosophers of the time sit around and debate uh, what is love. And, of course, we don't know what the rest of Greek society was thinking. They were probably participating in regular um, interactions as, you know, they were just regular people. But the, the, the people that were involved in the symposium, these philosophers, uh, believed that the truest form of love was man-boy love. Huh. And, that rom- and that romantic love was just, you know, secondary. Like romantic, romantic, um, yeah. Essentially, they even said that, like, if you, if you look at Greek myth, there's, there's two eroses, two Cupids. One is the, the son of Aphrodite, Venus, and one is, like, born from the universe and is ancient, as old as Earth. And that is true. If you, you know, in the old legends, there are, like, two eroses. Um, of course, it's just that, you know, myths aren't very consistent. But the joke was is that, or, you know, they, don't, they didn't really believe in, in these gods, but they, uh, they make the joke that one of the eros, the eternal one, is for man-boy love, and the, the younger one is for romantic love. Um, <laughs> so Jesus Christ, I, I got the yeah, impression yeah, that yeah, Adrian yeah. White. <laughs> I got the impression that Adrian uh, had a vasectomy, and all those vials like there were just like you know because I don't know if you remember this. It was last episode, I think, during the end credit scene where the game warden says to him like, you know, you want to go back so much, blah blah, blah back to Earth so so badly, blah blah. blah. And Adrian says, I have. Uh, uh, millions of children waiting for me back there. I almost want to think that he's not talking about the vials of sperm. Well, I think on some levels he really hoped that society would worship him, and then Get if credit people for him. worshipped him, then people would come forward and say, "I want to, I want to have your, you know, children," and then he would probably have some sort of interview process and determine whether or not somebody was worthy. I'm sure, like this is kind of Adrian Veidt thinking. Um, but <laughs> I don't know. It's we don't get into it too much. But yes, that the him saying he's never given himself to a woman, you know, he he specifically didn't say I've never had sex. You know, like if he were a virgin, he would have said I've never had sex. But instead, he says I've never given myself to a woman. So I think the implication is is that you know it certainly Rorschach thought this. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think we also theorize that um, True was his daughter because we we all initially we thought that save me D. Um, we obviously, you know, people thought Doctor Manhattan. Doctor Manhattan. I don't yeah. think he had enough bodies to spell out Doctor Manhattan. Um, I thought it was Lady True's first name, uh, but no, it was save me daughter. Some people got that. I I I was completely blindsided by the fact that Lady True might be his daughter, but it also kind of yeah. makes sense. And yeah, uh, I was blindsided. I was blindsided just because the actress is is fully Asian and right. She she, she didn't look half Asian, mm-hmm. so. <laughs> the, uh, so, but whatever. I guess she was. She was really half Vietnamese and and half. Um, I forget where where where. Well, Veidt's German, I guess. <laughs> and you were also correct about the ship landing on the Clarks' farm. That was Adrian, and back in episode yeah. four, I believe it was. And yeah, uh, which means, which means that scene on the Clarks' farm, like, didn't 
didn't take place uh, very much in the past at all. No, I, I believe a couple of weeks, um, a couple of weeks ago, maybe I think that's what it was. I I don't remember. I, maybe a couple of days ago. Yeah. I don't remember. But so, um, so there's there's a there's a funny thing about so when the when the the ship is touching down, the classical music that's played, and 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 um, I'm gonna I don't know which symphony it is, but I do recognize it as uh, the same one that's played in the beginning of 2001, A Space Odyssey. Mm. Um, and which 2001 is, is largely about, well, obviously men going into space, but it's also about, you know, uh, evolution of men and going to a new plane of existence and, um, you know, evolving, uh, which um, I guess the theme of the episode as well, becoming Dr. Manhattan, is is a lot about that as well. So it's a, it, it, they were uh, they were making a reference there, I believe. I mean, anytime you have have a spaceship and then play the music from two thousand one, you're clearly referencing the movie. Mm-hmm. But uh, but that you know, since that's the subject matter of two thousand one, I, I I guess they're they're you know making a, a reference there. Well, you were also correct about the fact that uh, maybe the gold statue that was Ozymandias, and that makes sense. I just didn't think they would do like the Star Wars Han Han Solo and Carbonite thing, but I guess Mm. that would have to make sense to get him out of there because it would take a fairly long time to get from Europa back to Earth. And yeah, uh, yeah, he'd have to be encased in something to prevent starvation and insanity, essentially. And uh, yeah, yeah. and they... they, um... The uh, even in interviews, Lindelof called it carbonite. He's like, yeah, you know, we had him encased in carbonite. <laughs> and I knew there had to be something interesting about the the statue because, of course, Lori pointed it out, and uh, you know, Lady True. I, I just took Lady True's word for it because she's Vietnamese. I'm not. I don't know much about Vietnamese culture, but her um, her saying, uh, you know, in our in my culture, we revere our elders. Okay, that. I guess that makes sense. But you pointed it out that uh, um, when Angela says, where's your father? Oh, he's coming. He was already there the entire time. Yeah. So that, yeah. That's, that's, that's one of the biggest clues. But um, so right before, uh, she's, she's incredibly uh, calculated. She's planned everything ahead. And uh, right yeah. before she's about to activate the Millennium Clock, um, she has him defrosted, I want to say. And and we it's revealed that the Millennium Clock was actually the quantum accelerator that she did build to uh, basically take Doctor Manhattan's power. Yes. Now, what's what's interesting here, and I, I do think it's one of the funny things that I kind of had a problem with at the end, is that independent of each other, two different groups of people decided to build machines to steal Dr. Manhattan's power mm. without coordination, you know? Because, like, Lady True has been trying to steal Dr. Manhattan's power for at least a decade. And Cyclops just found out that Dr. Manhattan existed three years ago and then decided to build a machine to steal his power. Mm-hmm. Um, so independent, like, I guess, I mean, I guess, like, if Dr. Manhattan were around, everyone would try to steal his power. I'm not sure. But that's the only kind of thing that I was like, huh, two different groups of people were, were building machines to steal Dr. Manhattan's power at the same time? Well, you know, okay, you know. But, yeah, so she built one and, and, and Cyclops built one. 
So, at the Calvary headquarters, several high-ranking politicians arrive as members of Cyclops, uh, including the elder Joe Keane, as the attack on Angela's house commences. Laurie discovers that Looking Glass had disguised himself as one of the Calvary, having survived the attack at his house. Uh, shout out to my buddy Cobreaker, who was watching this uh, show with us. He, he noticed that, and I believe in episode 7, when PD is at Looking Glass's house, he noticed that one of the Calvary members didn't have his mask on. I did not know that. I did not notice that. So huh. that that was uh, that was kind of clever. I didn't expect Looking. I expected Looking Glass to show up at the very end, like gun, guns blazing. But having yeah. him, uh, you know, infiltrate makes a lot of sense as well. There was a uh, a very funny line that Lori says, where she says, "Oh, Senator Joe Keen, I didn't take him for a secret racist." The joke is because he's an overt racist. (laughs) 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 But uh, Dr. Manhattan is trapped, and Joe Joe explains to the Gather audience about Cyclops' long-term plan to revolt against President Redford by arranging racially charged events like the White Knight, but instead discovered Manhattan's presence on Earth and changed their plans as to take Manhattan's powers instead. So it was because of the White Knight that they discovered... Um, Dr. Manhattan there, but I thought it was Judd who saw firsthand that it was uh, Manhattan. Yeah, and I guess it, it, it was not Judd. Just, I guess Judd was, was assigned, I guess, at that point going forward to, to it. But, it, yeah, he was not the one teleported away. It was some random. Mm-hmm. But it was interesting because it, um, it, was, it was subconscious, right? So they, they, they transported him to Cal's subconscious uh, hometown like wait was it cal subconscious I, I thought it was uh, a place i forgot the place in new mexico but i thought that's where manhattan was originally created it's the same town where that lab was cre- where it was uh, located oh you're saying that's where the lab was okay okay, okay. isn't isn't that, isn't, that that's that's what i that's what i got gathered from it because he, he said where he was born and i was like oh, isn't john born in germany and he I was, like, was oh. but <laughs> remember when john was ter- when, when dr manhattan was born i believe um, John being trapped in the uh, uh, the thing, the machine. I, be- I believe that was in New Mexico, right? Because isn't that okay, where they okay, tested okay, all that okay. stuff? I guess that that makes sense too. I thought I thought because it couldn't be John Osterman's birthplace that it would be that it would be Cal's, but maybe no, it makes more sense. You're right that it, that would be the, where the accelerator is. But it would have made more sense if Judd witnessed it because why else would Judd be so well be so close to Cal because they're going off this guy because because the uh, cause, uh, Joe Keen uh, Jr. explains that when the guy was about to kill Angela, he was teleported to that location. And the clue that they had is that, you know, this is what Dr. Manhattan was originally made. Um, they're going off one clue. There is I don't think there is are I don't think there's any other clue that the Seven Calvary would have had that Cal is Dr. Manhattan except for that one event. And yeah. How do you explain it? You can't, but it, it's still just uh. Yeah, I mean, I guess you know, go back and do some more research and then figure it out, you know. I guess that's why they assigned Judd to do, to like, you know, investigate yeah, further by close. You know, constantly being yeah. around Cal. But um, Angela shows up to stop the event, but she's outmatched. Keen enters a booth, but just as the system is activated, the entire arena is teleported to Greenwood by True. So so uh, someplace downtown yeah. in Tulsa. She needed the Calvary to capture Manhattan without him detecting her own involvement. Uh, Angela literally tries to explain to them, like, hey, look... Um, True wanted you to steal all these batteries, all this equipment. She is planning for this. Yeah, no, it was it was really a quite, 
you know, nice thing that she did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but uh, yeah, didn't work. And I didn't it, listen to her. And it also got super cringy that, like, you know, I, once again, I thought the Seven Cavalry was trying to carry on Rorschach's legacy, but they were just being used by Cyclops, essentially. And I always, I just thought it was cringy what? that he's like, first they took our guns and they're making us apologize for stuff that didn't even, well. Okay, like, all right, we know what you're doing. It's very on the nose now, what you're trying to do, but uh, calm down a little. It's got cringy yeah, for me. Yeah, I mean, so so what my big problem with the the episode had a lot of exposition, a lot of exposition. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it starts out with Lady True going to Adrian Veidt and them talking and having this long story of everything, everything being explained. And then it goes to Adrian like leaving and explaining everything to the the game master, the game the game warden. And then it becomes yeah, like Angela explaining everything to um Joe Keen Jr. and then uh Keen like explaining everything again to the to the cavalry people, and then Lady True coming and explaining everything. It's just, it was a lot of, ex- of people standing around, just, you know, uh, just talking out the plot rather than, it, rather than too much happening, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but yeah, no, I mean, he was saying what I think, he was saying what a lot of people, I think, think. Like when when they show overt racists on on TV, they usually are, are these these really bitter people that are like, I hate all black people, da 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 da. But in truth, like racism is a little more nuanced than that. It, it you know, and so he, what he was what he was getting at was those little things like like oh, I'm so tired of having to apologize for for stuff I didn't even do. And I think there are a lot of white people that think that 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 are like well, I didn't you know I didn't have I'd had nothing to do with slavery like I, I'm not a racist like why are people blaming me all the time you know and and that's what that was what they were trying to get at that his um it was I think he shouldn't have delivered it so angrily you know considering that it was it was um I don't know a little more uh a little more nuanced in its racism. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I don't know. What do you what What do you think? You thought it was a little too obvious, a little too on the nose. Well, I don't know. I, I expected a bit more nuance from our villains, but at the same time, I kind of understand that there are two kinds of villains: one with an evil master plan that's incredibly complex, and his reasonings are, you know, very very nuanced. And the other villain is just simplistic and his reasonings are kind of dumb, but still a villain nonetheless. You know, we always have those Thanos-like villains and like, you know, your bank robber type villains. And the fact that Keen was a bank robber type villain who's just doing bad stuff because of this one kind of, you know, uh, simplistic thing because of racism. I just thought it was super cringe the way they were going about it. And it does kind of, in a way, seem targeted at the right, kind of. So I understand... uh, the uh, hostilities against this show from certain people on the right. But at the same time, I'm just a little disappointed. Joe Joe Keen Jr. was just very, I don't know, uh, comically dumb and and just his reasonings were kind of dumb and it's just... uh. Racism is your your ultimate reasoning for doing doing this, for being the bad guy? Okay, that's fine. I guess 
I don't know, maybe I expect more from our villains at this point by having some ulterior motive that's not just very kitty in scale. It, it just seems very small potatoes in a sense. It's just that I see people saying that now, you know, like I see people like that's the thing is it's when you actually see politicians saying things like, oh, white people are becoming oppressed in America. Or Christians are. Yeah, you know, and it's considering that people really believe that. I mean, we can read our comments section after this is done and people are going to be talking about how white people are oppressed and, and how, you know, black people are allowed to say this, but white people aren't allowed to say this and that old story again, you know. Um, it'll be there, but <clears throat> I, mean, I, I, I was just, just expecting more of a more of a diabolical plan, like on on maybe not on the same level as Lady True, but on some kind of level that's not like you know yeah well it's it's tough being a white person in America, so I might try to be a blue one. That's essentially his plan, but yeah. yeah. In the booth, Keen was turned into a primordial ooze that spills across the area. According to True, uh, he didn't filter out the ato- the atomic particles. That was his. You know, even if she hadn't intervened, it probably would have been a mess anyways. Uh, but True proceeds to kill the Cyclops members on behalf of Will. And during this, Manhattan uses yeah. the ooze to teleport Vite, Lori, and Looking Glass to Antarctica. Manhattan tells Angela the reason he did not send her away was because he didn't want to be alone when he dies. And as True activates these floating spear to take Manhattan's powers, um, he tells Angela he loves her before he is destroyed and his powers are captured. I thought that was super sweet that he didn't want to be alone when he died. Um, yeah. And trans... I feel like Looking Glass is kind of... He does one major thing here, which is towards the end when Adrian's about to be arrested, he says, I have yeah. the evidence right here. L- L- Looking Glass is wasted. He's, he's, he has nothing to do. Laurie, had, Laurie has nothing to do. Um, oh, no. In fact, Laurie's, Laurie's entire character had nothing to do. I'm not even sure if Looking... Like, going back, I'm like, oh, did Looking Glass impact even though we have an entire lori episode an entire looking glass episode did did they really have any impact on the plot yeah I mean, we find out that lori was only invited because uh, uh keen wanted to make manhattan suffer or something he, he thought it would be like funny and ironic to have his ex-girlfriend like watch him die like that was it that was the only reason she he, she got invited to to Tulsa. That was super thin. I think I read somewhere uh, yesterday, I, th- I don't know where, which website it was, that the original plan was that Lady True would be the original person that wanted uh, Manhattan's powers and that Cyclops would just be invested in the doing the mind control thing throughout the series, but then it evolved to Cyclops wanting Manhattan's powers and then Lady True being a step ahead of them. Yeah. I believe that's what I read yeah. in regards to what they originally wanted to do, but they went with this. But you're right, like having Laurie there is just... It was very thin, and if you think about Lori Blake's involvement in the entire series, it's still once again like her. Her, I, I feel like yeah. I feel like Looking Glass did a bit more than she did, kinda. Well, Looking Glass just discovered stuff, right? Right, but I mean, when it followed Looking he, Glass, we got more out of Looking Glass's involvement in the story than I think we got from Lori. All she really did was kind of force Angela to take those pills. Yeah, but I'm talking like. Um, they're, they're point of view characters, you know. They're they're more in the sense of like Ario Hota or or R two D two and C three PO. Like they're not affecting the action, mm-hmm. but we're seeing the world through their eyes. So like the Looking Glass episode and the Lori episode, we 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 explore the world a bit 
even though neither of them really affect any change. Mm. Like there's there's really no reason why they wanted to get in. They wanted to pull uh, looking um, Looking Glass into their group, especially like two days before the event. Like why why bother? Like why send this woman to a bar to pick him up and have lettuce fall out of a out of a, a truck? Well, because they needed to get uh, Angela out of the way. They 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 wanted to get her out of out of the way. When when in reality they could have just killed her. But at the same time, I felt as though the reason they couldn't just kill Angela or or remove her is because they didn't want Manhattan to activate his powers due to to do a due to her being in danger. They just wanted her out of the way so they could capture Cal because Cal did only activate his powers when she was in danger. Yeah. I mean there, there there's a lot of like now in retrospect looking at the series there's a lot of plot lines that that were interesting as we explored them but don't really add to the the overall plot. But then again, the original Watchmen was like this too. I mean, the original Watchmen you know, there's no reason that Rorschach had to go to prison and get psychoanalyzed for an entire issue. It doesn't doesn't do anything for for the plot. Mm-hmm. Like there, you know, there's no reason that that Laurie and and Owl had to break him out of prison. Like as they just go to Antarctica and have everything explained that they were too late. Um, none of it mattered. So I mean, it's not that it's the original story didn't have this, but there was there's just no reason for Looking Glass to be doing any of this, or or for instance, Laurie to take the pills and then end up at Lady True's and find the elephant. Like none of those things really mattered she was only true was only messing with angela because hooded justice reeve like asked her to they had a they had, they had some sort of deal um yeah there's some sort of deal the tit for tat kind of thing at uh, at antarctica vite uses the squid rain making teleport device to send frozen squid to fall in on greenwood which will obliterate anything in the nearby area uh laurie calls yeah. angela in one of those blue booths things to allow her and beyond to take cover while the squid rain destroys the sphere and kills true before the transfer can be completed now i remember this one scene in the watchmen movie i don't know if it's in the comics as well where vite hires his own assassin to try and kill him and the guy yeah. just comes in the room and starts shooting and at one point uh one of the the women in the room gets shot through the hand and there's like a hole through her hand and i noticed the same thing happened here with um with uh, lady true i don't know if you noticed that oh yeah so th- there's this joke about whether or not adrian Veidt is is able to catch bullets Oh, yeah, that um, also happened with the Game Warden as well. I forgot to mention yeah. that. Yeah, and so he catches the Game Warden's bullet, and that, that's a reference to the comic book. Um, and I think in the movie he really does catch a bullet. But, yeah, I guess I didn't think about it because he said that the, the, the squids are going to come down like, like a Gatlin gun, so like a bullet. And mm-hmm. so it goes through her hand. She's unable to catch bullets. Mm-hmm. But so I, I was a little annoyed at the inconsistent nature of squid rain like he Mm. says oh it's going to come down like like uh like essentially like a gun okay so we see the first one like blow a massive hole in lady true's hand and then after that like it's just hailing and people are like oh i'm gonna get inside the car and 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 they get inside the booth and other people go inside and it's like i'm sorry if if something with the force of a gun, a Gatlin gun, is coming down. Like, I don't even know if going indoors is, like, gonna, certainly not a car. 
like cars are thin and anybody jumping inside a car would still get shot. Well, let's let's be, let's be let's be let's be real. Outside, yeah. uh, obviously the 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 frozen squid will will cut through flesh just fine, but like, you know, metal, eh, I think it'd have a harder time. I mean, it goes through her bone. Mm. I mean, that's that's the like it right through like But isn't the bone in the hand the a little too a little, little isn't as stronger as the bone in the other parts of the body? The bone in the hand I mean, is a little thinner. You, you saw how clean that whole thing was. Yes. You know? I and think then, that was for effect. <laughs> And then, and then later, later though, it, it starts raining on on um, Red Scare and Pirate Jenny, and they kind of they're kind of just kind of annoyed, and then they jump inside of a car, and then we see like it going through the windshield of the car, but then they're inside the car for protection. It, it's fine. I mean, it was all inconsistent, <laughs> you know. But whatever, what whatever. Well, Angela... I didn't like the rain scene too much. (laughs) (laughs) Angela takes shelter at the movie theater where Will is waiting for her with the kids. Will reveals that Manhattan had made a deal with himself and True, knowing this end had to happen so that his powers would not be taken away by those that would misuse them. And uh, I like this scene with Will, you know, he's explaining to her that, yeah, this is, you know... Uh, the mask, it's all about fear, you know, it's all about resentment, it's all... it's, It's essentially... I, I forgot. I forgot what uh, Adrian says. The game word. I think it was something along the lines of, "I wanted you to put on the mask so you'd be cruel." Yeah, and then he says that um, the the mask. I thought it made me angry, but it was really about being scared. Um, there, there's a lot to unpack in the last uh, will discussion. First of all, I, I do. Th- I will say that there's a really beautiful line where he says, um, uh, "Wounds need air to heal." Yeah. Um, which a lot of, you know, a lot of people say, like, oh, do we need to talk about all of this? Isn't this riling everybody up? Isn't this race baiting? Isn't this um, causing more harm than good talking about all of these issues from history? And he's, he's taking the opposite position that, no, like, you, we have to air these grievances out and talk, the, and talk about them. And then, and then they, can, they, can, they can kind of heal. Um, so, it's a, it, you know, it's a, an interesting... Um, analogy with the with the mask and the, and the wound you know and airing things out um but the uh there's an interesting thing about like anonymity and what it does to people like certainly the internet like being like say the say our comment section like somebody that has complete anonymity can be a can be a complete dick mm-hmm. if you have to walk up to somebody face to face um and and tell them something you're, you're going to be very different uh, for a number of reasons. One, you're seeing somebody face to face and, and there's a personal connection. But two, like you now, like everyone knows who you are, you are. So you own um, what you're saying. You mm-hmm. know? Um, so, but yeah, so there's, there's interesting thing there, but yeah. And then why do, why do people choose to be anonymous? You know, like I know, I know that's, most people choose to be anonymous on the internet because they fear that someone's going to steal, steal their, their identity or something they say is going to be used against right. them or, you know, something's going to be posted and, and their reputation is going to be ruined. So in a sense, yeah, people wear masks because of fear. Yeah. 
That makes a lot of sense. And like I said, I like the the, the, the scenes with Will. And we'll talk about this uh, after uh, we're, we're uh, finished with the synopsis. Uh, Vite, he offers Laurie and Looking Glass, the old Night Owl ship, Archie, to return to society. But Laurie uh, tries to arrest Vite, with Looking Glass having a video proof of Vite behind the squid attack. Vite attempts to talk his way out of it, but Looking Glass knocks him out, and he and Laurie drag Vite aboard the ship. Angela offers Will a room at her house as she takes the children back home. As she cleans up the mess of eggs from the argument between her and Manhattan earlier in the night, she recalls that Manhattan t once told her that he could transfer his powers to someone through an organic medium. Finding an unbroken egg, Angela goes to the pool, eats the egg, and prepares to walk on the water, uh, but the screen cuts to black before her foot touches the water. Yeah. Um, the... <clears throat> well, well, first thing, there, there's a funny line where, where Laurie said, where he says can the FBI arrest the president? And she says, why not? And of course, like, that's clearly a reference to our modern day situation with, with, um, with Trump, where the FBI did not <laughs> arrest the president. They you know, wrote a report that went to Congress instead. But um, on the egg thing, do you feel like there needed to be the flashbacks and the explanations? Like, do you think, I feel like the scene would have been more powerful had she just seen the egg and then, like, eaten the egg and let the viewer remember, like, that, you know, just an episode ago, he said that he could transfer his power to that egg. You so, know? I agree with you. There shouldn't have been flashbacks, but this whole episode was really weird. I also like how when Will says, you know, you can't make a, you can't make a few omelets without break. we well, can't make an omelet without breaking a few eggs. Yeah. And that's something Manhattan said um uh to me a long time ago he he knew he, he wanted me to tell you that and you would know when the time was right and i like the fact that the scene cuts to black leaving it on kind of a cliffhanger and in a sense yeah. uh the season ends kind of like how the comic ends in a way with us wondering whether or not will rorschach's journal be published will angela be the next manhattan hmm. um I thought yeah. the first chunk of the first half, of the first one third of this episode was great. I love the Vite thing. Uh, I've always loved a Vite storyline on Europa. I thought it was awesome. Lady True adds a level of mystery to it that's also intriguing. But ever since we come back to present day, it's just something slows down for me. And I think what I, yeah. I, I think what I'm trying to come down to is that I think Watchmen is a show that's better left asking mysteries, occasionally solving them and asking more and presenting more mysteries than really ultimately solving them. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, in a sense, this was a little, this was Lindelof being, like going the other way too far with his mistakes on Lost. Like with Lost, like there are a lot of mysteries, a lot of them went, went, were never solved. And so he went out of his way here to pretty much solve every goddamn mystery that was presented, except for Lube Man. Um, and, you know, yes, it was like the whole narrative came together and it made sense, mm -hmm. um, unlike, unlike, say, Lost. But I think the, the and, you know, I know hardly anybody's seen The Leftovers and I talk about it too much, but The Leftovers was, was there was a certain number of mysteries left, purposely left, um, unsolved that gave it a beautiful end um, because it's an, it's an allegory it, you know it's a it's a story about death and and you know we don't know what happens when we die so that was the whole thing is you're not really supposed to know what happens at the end of the uh, 
the show. And so, yeah, I mean, yes, he left the mystery of will Angela be Dr. Manhattan or not, but... That's an okay um, mystery. That's one of those things where yeah. uh, leaving it up to the audience interpretation, that's fine. It's just, and it's weird that we say this because I, I agree with you. I would give this episode a seven. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't, uh, but it wasn't amazing like the last episode, which, which I gave a 10. And that right. entire episode was all exposition on what's been going on. Does the character need to be fucking Dr. Manhattan filled exposition uh for it to be good? I don't know. It's just there are a lot of things. There are a lot of things that Doctor Manhattan went into that I guess needed to be gone into and needed to be explained. And the fact that it is Doctor Manhattan made it infinitely more uh, fun and entertaining and interesting. But this episode is mostly about True, Keen, uh, and Angela, and all that wrapping up. And Lady True, not that it's not that she's not interesting. It's just that. We don't get a lot of scenes enough with her for me to really connect with her. Joe Keen is just there. Mm. He's just a, a yeah. one-note bad guy. Eh. Yeah, his cartoon character. Right. And Angela, you were correct. Like, she's not interesting at all. But at the same fact, she's interesting not because of her own character, but because of everyone she's connected to. She's connected to Hooded Justice. She's connected to yeah. Manhattan. And I believe she's connected uh, connected with um, Looking Glass, which is one of the most interesting characters in the show. Um, and I, I think, you know, you know, what's funny mm. is that we were so critical of of Laurie and Looking Glass have having um, nothing to do in the last episode. But I realized that Angela, the main fucking character, doesn't really have anything to do. Oh, no, she just she like, just stands there and like she doesn't try to stop anything. Granted, they all have their right, guns like, on her, but she she's the main character. She should have stopped. She should have been the one to save the day. Um, instead. It's it, instead it's Adrian who like who would, who is part of a completely different plot that like comes back at the at the end to save the day, um, which I don't know I don't know how I feel about that you know the show is really about like, Adrian, Will and Manhattan like it's really about those guys and everybody in between, uh, every other character is just not as important and it's weird and it's weird because you would think like it, it would be like. It would be like if Ned Stark, Jon Snow, or Daenerys weren't that important or interesting, but Samuel Tarly, well, to you, Samuel Tarly is, yeah. Samuel Tarly is infinitely more interesting, or, or Littlefinger is infinitely more interesting than the main characters and has a lot more going on than the main characters ever could or will. You know, or, or yeah. if fucking, I don't know, uh, <laughs> Dark Star is, is way more interesting than, than Ned Stark or, or Jamie Lannister. You know, it, it's, but it's you, weird. You, you, know, the, you know the disappointment of, of having, having Arya finish Jon's story and how, or having um, Jamie Lannister finish Yara's story, you know, which is what we saw oh, yeah. and, how, and how it just doesn't feel yeah. right. And so, so this is the thing is like the story was, was Angela versus the 7th Cavalry. And what we got was Lady True destroying the Seventh Cavalry, and then, um, and then out of nowhere, Adrian destroying Lady True. When it was never established that like anybody like, that Adrian and Lady True were like nemeses that needed to fight each other. You know, he even makes that statement: "Oh, well, we're the ad- adversary." It's like we're the adversary. Like she's been your adversary for literally fifteen minutes. <laughs> Like, like, <laughs> you know, it just doesn't, it didn't feel right. Like, Angela was more adversary to Lady True. Like, I feel like Angela should have stopped Lady True 
Yo, I got a question for you that someone brought up. Um, Hmm. There's one episode where we we go back into the mansion. I believe this is either four or five where Ozymandias uh, brings the new Phillips and Crookshanks into the mansion. We see all these bodies everywhere. And he looks at the horseshoe. I believe it was that episode. And he says, I don't need this yet. Yeah. And I originally thought that that, uh, Phillips and Crookshanks, they were uh, either AI or robots or whatever. And they were malfunctioning when they gave him the horseshoe. I, I I think I think I believe someone someone brought to my attention like does Adrian also know the future? How did he know he would need that horseshoe? I think oh because he he wrote the he wrote the the play is an eight year play yeah and I didn't um, realize that until until he he yeah. said it and I think that's one of the reasons why he was so fucking bored all the time because they're Mister Phillips and Miss Crookshanks Miss Crookshanks is they they aren't. They aren't. Uh, they don't have that level of critical thinking to give him that challenge that he needs. Yeah. But Lady True does. And 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 how do you present a challenge to the smartest man alive by making the smartest woman alive his adversary? You know, it does show the cruelty to Adrian Veidt. Like he was killing people, like real people, um, when he didn't need to. Like he didn't need. <laughs> he didn't need the game warden keeping him in. Um, he could have just put out, you know, he could have gone out there with, with painted logs or whatever, uh, at any time, um, and, and and set up a big sign that said "Save me, daughter." Mm-hmm. He didn't need. Maybe maybe the bodies were to have some sort of emphasis on, on that, but there he was killing people for his own entertainment. <laughs> you know. <sighs> No reason. There's no reason that he needed to be doing that. So before we uh, move on to an interesting discussion, I actually wanted to uh, ask you uh, an interesting topic. Um, so Lube Man was mm. Petey. Um, so this is on the Petypedia. <laughs> Effective immediately, Dale Petey is no longer an agent of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, and his employment by the Anti-Vigilante Task Force has been terminated. Agent Petey's computer folder will be deleted from the server, from the sheriff's server, in 48 hours, after which his time... After which time his meandering, self-indulgent memos and blah, 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 and ridiculous documents will only exist as hard copies. Let the legacy of PDPedia be an example of how not to conduct professional electronic discourse. Moving forward, I expect to see only the most... Blah, 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 blah. Uh, similarly, a maintenance crew will be boxing up the contents of PD's office later this afternoon. Anyone interested in taking anything from his stacks of media? Uh, blah, blah, straight up junk, cluttering his workspace, and multiple copies of Rorschach's journal, hundreds of comic books... Um, and a jug of what appears to be some kind of canola oil, help yourselves. So it wasn't lube, apparently, it was just canola oil. Yeah, now, that's that's also sad. Like, Petey, you know, you have to go to supplemental material to find out what happens to him. Like, she left him, she left him at, at the uh, hanging out at, at Looking Glass's house. And that's the last we saw him, and he, he didn't appear at all in the last episode. It, it's like when you get to episode three, Revenge of the Sith, and for some reason, General Grievous is coughing. But if you watch, like, the Clone Wars uh, last episode of the, the original Clone Wars cartoon from 2004, yeah. you find out that Mace Windu actually force-choked him, and he's just still feeling the effects from that. Um, but it's not over. Finally, I know there has been some considerable chatter about what happened to Petey in his recent work with Agent Blake. Let me address those matters briefly in order of, in order of importance. I can confirm that Agent Blake has resurfaced follow, following her disappearance in Tulsa. She is currently being debriefed at a secure and classified location due to the sensitive nature of the discoveries she made over the course of her investigation, none of which I am privy to. 
For those of you whispering that said discoveries involve hoaxes and conspiracy linked to our commander-in-chief, I will remind you all of your oaths. What matters most is that Agent Blake is alive and well, and she wishes to thank those who cared for her pet owl while she was away. As for former Agent Petey, the circumstances of his dismissal are as simple as they are baffling. After defiantly refusing my direct order to suspend his activities in Tulsa and return to Washington, I had no choice but to instruct the field office there to relieve him of his badge. My understanding from Tulsa PD is that he has now gone missing. Given the simultaneous deaths of, US, of a U.S. Senator and a prominent trillionaire, it would appear PD has taken it upon himself to continue, to continue the investigation despite our closing it. It's clear now from his memos that PD, hero, enthusiast, obsessive, <laughs> on the Western spectrum, is at risk for vigilante behavior and most likely always was. Perhaps sooner or later, this task force will be investigating him. God help us all. From season two, season from two. From the de deputy director of the, uh, of the FBI. So, so according, according to that, yeah, well, according to that, that means Lori's efforts were for nothing. Really? I mean, if she's just getting debriefed when she goes back, like, she didn't arrest Robert Redford, you know? She didn't, uh, for being complicit in, in Adrian Veidt's, like, long term cover up so I, I don't think adrian will be arrested actually you know what maybe he will because at one point i believe it was either last episode or this episode robert redford wasn't returning his phone calls however um so robert redford might not be interested in talking with adrian for the safety of everyone involved mm. uh for for his uh political safety as well but uh maybe adrian will be arrested and maybe he will be taken elsewhere because you're right, hmm. he kind of is a narcissist. He does want credit for essentially saving the world, but the world isn't really saved yet. If you recall back in episode three, someone asked Senator Joe Keen about you know his thoughts on the Russians trying to create their own um, device yeah. that created Manhattan. So, mm. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's so um, uh, in the original Watchmen comic. Um, Rorschach is 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 um, he's he's for the most part uh, pretty right wing, but oddly, he worships um, Harry Truman, who who was a Democrat, and he worships Harry Truman because he did the right thing by dropping the bomb on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Um, he believed that that was really you know the right thing to do to kill to kill all those innocent civilians to, to stop the war and, and save lives in the mm. end, the, 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 it was, which is the, uh, the line that, um, you know, the American government gives and what we're, what we're taught in, here in America in our schools. Um, but Adrian Veidt essentially does the same thing. Like, right, he, to save lives, he kills, he kills three million people. Like, the, there's no effective difference between Adrian Veidt and Harry Truman except the scale, you know, more people died in New York than Hiroshima and Nagasaki, and he's saving more people as well versus, you know, the, the supposed lives saved by, by Truman, you know. Um, so I don't know. I don't know how, how society would see Adrian Veidt if it came out that he, that he had, you know, 
killed these killed these people, but but saved saved the world. Well, in the true Watchmen comic sequel, um, because this is the HBO sequel, but apparently there's another sequel called The Doomsday Clock. We find out that Rorschach's journal did make it into publication, and that Adrian is essentially blamed for this, and uh, that the uh, public uh, wants him, I believe, dead. I'll have to go back and look. Here's here and here's the question. Here's the question. Does this show need a season two? I I firmly believe that does not need a season two. I think almost every single question is answered here. The show, the focus of the mm-hmm. show is Adrian, and it wraps his story up nicely. Will it wraps his story up nicely, and Doctor Manhattan, and that wraps up his story very nicely. And whether or not Angela gets Doctor Manhattan's powers, I almost don't care because I really don't give a damn about her story that much. All she really was was a, a catalyst to bring us the meat and bones, the meat and potatoes of the mm. story, which was her grandfather, Hooded Justice, and her lover, Dr. Manhattan. And, uh, yeah, that's really all I cared about. I think doing a season two would be committing the same sin that Westworld committed. Uh, Westworld season one was awesome. And then we come to Westworld season two, and it was just kind of, looking back on it, a bit of a mistake. Mm. I know that Lindelof is not so keen on a season two Mm. like he doesn't want to be involved in it he said he spent two years like writing and preparing for for this um and and he he doesn't he doesn't have a story to tell for season two Hmm. like he did for season one so Um, you you listened to the uh official hbo uh watchman podcast what did you learn from that i um not not uh the last one wasn't wasn't as informative as as the first two so there's three overall um but uh yeah i mean they discuss that the future of watchmen um they they discuss a, a lot of themes the the guy who interviews lindelof is um research like is pretty into the show and is reading more into the show than than lindelof even considered um, kind of like perhaps me in Game of Thrones. I was just about to say that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's, it's funny because he'll, he'll like say something and, and he'll be like, yeah, well, um, and Lindelof will be like, yeah, no, well, that could be that too. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> could so the be last that one too. Not, not, <laughs> 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 you know, d- yeah, but, um. It la- last episode, last uh, was not as informative as, as other stuff. Um, I mean, I, I guess I learned that. Um, I learned that every single moment of, of, like, if you just watched the show, you might wonder if every moment of Europa was planned by, by Vite. But Lindelof said, no, you're. Like everything is supposed to be part of the play. Like when he says he's writing the play, he's not writing the play to be on the stage. He's writing his entire adventure in on Europa. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. I I don't know if I learned that that much from this one. It wasn't it wasn't as interesting as because the first the first episodes were very were very history heavy, and so they went into Lindelof like researching history and what he was trying to say uh, politically with, with each of these. And the, the last one, because it's more just revealing all of the, the, 
the events and the secrets that we, we had, you know, theorized and, and you know, which ones were right. And um, there, wasn't, there wasn't as much. There wasn't as much uh, history of, uh, you know, Tulsa and, and the Ku Klux Klan and things like that, history of cinema. Like the previous one, you know, he talks about, like, the history of cinema and, and why, what the statements he was making with, with the Hooded Justice story and stuff like that. There, there wasn't too much in this one. By the way, the premise of Doomsday Clock is, uh, uh, this is supposed to be like the, Alan Moore didn't write it, so I don't know if you can, you can debate on whether or not it's a true sequel, unless the uh, creator has something to do mm. with it. Uh, Doomsday Clock is the finale of the story that was established, and blah, 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 blah. In the Watchmen universe, seven years after the massacre in New York City, the details inside Rorschach's journal have been published, exposing Ozymandias' role in the event. Now a fugitive, Ozymandias gathers several others to find Dr. Manhattan and bring him back to save the world. Meanwhile, in the DC universe, during present day, uh, the Superman theory is a conspiracy that accuses the federal government of the United States of creating its own metahumans, and it has created an internal con international conflict and led to an arms race, with various governments around the, around the world recruiting metahumans and creating sanctioned super teams. Um, so, yeah. I, you said that, uh, that I didn't realize that Watchmen was a part of the DC universe. Well, at, at one point, Dr. Manhattan will confront Superman in this. Um, I, be I believe yes. the last sh issue of this comic, Doomsday Clock, takes, uh, will come out in two days from this recording, which will be the 18th. Oh, really? Finally? Because mm -hmm. it kept getting delayed and delayed and delayed. So, oh, by um, the way, and the comedian, uh, apparently, according to this sequel, the comedian survived. Um, let's see here. Uh, in, the, in the sequel comic Doomsday Clock, the comedian turns up alive when he confronts Ozymandias at the time when he was in the DC Universe meeting Lex Luthor. It turns out that the comedian survived his fall from his apartment window and washed ashore outside the city of Metropolis, where he is greeted by Dr. Manhattan. So apparently the comedian survived that, which I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that since his death is supposed to kickstart everything. Yeah, no, I mean, I haven't read Doomsday Clock. Um, I've read the synopsis of Doomsday Clock. Yeah, same Clock, here. And the synopsis, the synopsis seems fucking bonkers. But everybody that's read Doomsday Clock tells me, no, actually, it's really good. So I, you know. When I, when I, when just when I, when I, when I, when you read this stuff out loud, I'm just like, oh god, like, ah, uh, they they like pulling in the Watchmen characters into the DC universe, mm. and ah, uh, but I I know that on the last page of the of the eleventh issue, Doctor Manhattan and Superman meet, and so the, and then there's one issue left, you know, so I don't know. Well, like I said, I, I really don't feel as though this show needs a second season, and this has been a, a like an insane debate going on right now. Like, like there are people who wanted Game of Thrones to continue on for ten seasons. I'm one of those people, but I wanted Game of Thrones to continue on <laughs> a, as a faithful adaptation. <laughs> You're like, there's some crazy assholes that wanted Game of Thrones to go on twelve, thirteen seasons. George, that was well, George wanted that. Yeah, <laughs> no. no, some people wanted that. I wanted that, but I wanted a faithful adaptation. Had they continued on, actually faithfully adapting Game of Thrones, a song of Ice and Fire. We could probably got a, we probably could have gone on to ten seasons, maybe even twelve. Um, but they didn't do that. They decided yeah. to like cut a lot of the things short, such as the Dornish stuff, the stuff in um, in um, Old Town, and so on and so forth. Uh, especially the stuff with Stannis and his campaign in the North, which is much yeah. longer. But you know, you know, it would have been like ten million dollars an episode for Kit Harrington and ten million dollars an episode for you know. At some point, it just hits this breaking point where you just can't pay them more. I think I think FX and a lot of the TV shows are now doing this thing where it's like, 
if it gets picked up for a second season, then you have to sign a contract for like eight seasons of the same salary. I think mm. they. I think this is something that uh, Charlie Sheen. Uh, is it Charlie Sheen, the guy who went crazy with Tiger Blood? I believe that was Charlie Sheen. Let me look that up real quick. Yeah, I mean Charlie Sheen was getting so much for two and a half. Right. He's getting so much. FX scooped him up for uh, some uh, anger management show, and uh, I think that's mm. the uh, that's the thing they set him on is that if the if it goes on for any more seasons than season one, I believe the contract was you get paid this fixed amount for all those seasons, no question asked. So. Um, that's what they probably could have done. HBO probably could have done that. Eh. But regardless, um, I don't think Watchmen needs a season two. I would like to see where a season two could go, but at the same time, how can you really top season one? Even though the finale was kind of eh, at the same time, the rest yeah. of the season was great. I, and just like with Westworld, the show is great at setting up the mysteries, but when it comes to, when it comes down to really answer them, eh. And I yeah. and I guess it, it's interesting. I don't know. I don't know how you feel about this, but is the characters? You're right. Looking Glass, compelling story. Lori, very interesting. Angela, not as much, but those around her are very interesting. Will and and Adrian Veidt, the whole mystery. Now that all the mysteries are solved, you look back on it. Are, were these characters really worth following? Kinda. The journey was great. Yeah. It, ultimately, what I'm trying to say is, it, it's that cliche saying that it's not really about. The end. It's about the friends we made along the way. The journey. The journey to the finish line yeah. was the bet. Was what it was. Was worth it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough because um, it's finales are tough. How many satisfying finales have you know? Have you ever? Oh seen my fucking finish? god! Don't even get me fucking stuck. I just finished uh, for for the audience who have seen it. I just finished Man in the High Castle, which I think you might like. Yeah. It's uh, the alternate universe where the Nazis and the Empire of Japan win the Second World War. Yeah, yeah. I just finished the uh, a couple weeks ago. I just finished the last episode of that of that series. They only have they only have four seasons. And I was, and was oh, so disappointed. Holy fuck, bro. Oh. <laughs> I was so disappointed. I'm like, what happened? Well, that's what I'm saying. They, they usually, dis finales usually disappoint. You know, I'm trying to think of, like, really good ones. Like, I, you know, I would say, like, Heroes Season 1 had a really good finale. Leftovers had a really beautiful finale. Oh, that was a home That run. reminds me about Leftovers. Um, I wanted to ask you something in regards to Season 2 of Watchmen yeah. and Leftovers. But go on. Um, I'm trying to think of like really good finales. Like some people say Breaking Bad, but people had mixed mixed ideas about Breaking mm. Bad and and whether the the last episode was good mm. or not. It's really really tough to get a to get a powerful, good climax last episode that like really wraps up everything and gives everybody a good feeling and and stuff like that. That's it's it's just it's tough. So the fact that we got a pretty good last episode like i guess i guess we should be happy you know it just wasn't excellent you know it was just to, to touch on this real quick like man in the high castle series finale was so bad game of thrones had a better series finale to fucking just go into that oh god bro. i mean there's some bad ones there's some worse ones than game of thrones like i will say that battlestar galacticus was was <laughs> was much I've worse. never seen Dexter, uh, but I heard Dexter had a shit finale. I've also never seen yeah. The Sopranos, much to everyone's, uh, you know, going to give me shit in the comment section. I heard that had a bad uh, uh, last episode. Um, yeah, you're. I think you're right. It's really weird. I, I know more. 
I don't know. Return of the Jedi, I felt, was a fine ending. <laughs> That's a fine ending to that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, you know, it's it's tough. Endings are tough. Um, endings are tough. So, so, so for Watchmen season two, someone someone brought up that uh, this is Damon Lindelof. He did Leftovers. I don't. I've never seen Leftovers, so you can back me up on this if I'm wrong or right. Um, Leftovers. There are three seasons, right? Yeah. Each season takes place in a different location, right? That's correct. Okay, so you have Australia, New York, New York, uh, up, upstate New York, and Texas, I believe. Yeah. So if they do a Watchmen season two, do you think that they could possibly go elsewhere besides Tulsa? I mean, I think that would be that would be preferable to to give it a, a new feel. Um, you know, because the Tulsa massacre has now been well tread. <laughs> you know, choose, choose a different location. The story could I, essentially I, follow Lori Blake on another mission. Maybe Looking Glass becomes her new partner in this. Right. I mean, if if I were going to if I were going to do a season two, I would focus it one hundred percent around Owl, and then deal with, and then deal with um, Angela being Doctor Manhattan. I I wouldn't even address Angela as Doctor Manhattan. I would just keep that like, like like away because once again, you're gonna have the Force Awakens. Uh, Last Jedi problem. How do sure, you? Sure. Yeah. I mean, you could say, or you could just keep mentioning that, like, she's missing. You know? Yes, that too. Because, like, how do you really deal with the? I thought, I thought the way uh, Watchmen season one handled Doctor Manhattan perfectly. You know, he's on Mars. Don't worry about it. He's on Mars. Don't, don't, just don't worry about yeah. it. And uh, how do you deal with the fact that there's a superpower OP character like on the planet, just like over there? Yeah. But when does that person come here when shit hits the fan here? So they, it's probably best they don't address it or give a throwaway line like she's missing. Yeah, I mean, essentially, they dealt with a lot of Superman issues. I mean, Dr. Manhattan's, you know, stand-in for Superman. And so you have, you have, you know, what do you do when you have these godlike powers and, and, and stuff like that? Um, I mean, you know, if you, do, if you do a season two, you, you know, and you focus on Owl, you can deal with some Batman issues or something, you know. Mm-hmm. But, um, so... I think I think there there's plenty of stories to be told, and but will they be as interesting as what we got now? Because the stuff with Hooded Justice and Will, awesome. The stuff with Adrian, the mysteries there, mm-hmm. awesome. The Doctor Manhattan stuff, fucking awesome. It was fun. How do you really top that with just the Owl? Like, where do you go? Like, where where do you, where in the U.S. do you go? Really, I don't know. I don't know. And I, and I think that's I think it's left best. It's best left like untouched just leave it at season one and that's it as much as i want to see mm. where they would go at the same time you know like i don't really give a fuck about lube man or pd or anything like that i really don't <laughs> care i really you don't need give season a... two just for lube man just for lube man i mean if they wanted to do something where like season two was like six episodes and it, it's just the aftermath and, and cleaning up like what's going on in tulsa or maybe there's a new uh now that Mocker Man, now maybe the news gets out that Dr. Manhattan has been actually destroyed. Because I feel as though what really kept the peace on Earth was the fact that Dr. Manhattan was out there and he could come back at any moment to to you know yeah. to put down any troublemakers. But now that they didn't they didn't really solve the the main problem. I mean, it's not like they could solve it, but the main problem was racism, right? I and guess. <laughs> kind of like in the first in the first Watchmen, it's nuclear war. And they did solve nuclear war at the end, but now it's like, well, they did get rid of Cyclops, so maybe that'll that'll help. Maybe that will well, help. But keep in mind <laughs> that when Lady True like destroys Doctor Manhattan, 
um, she does it out in the open. She 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 literally teleported them to like the town town square. So yeah. who's to say there weren't you know people watching this and I guess maybe recording it at the same time? So now that Doctor Manhattan is confirmed gone, what's to say other superhero groups won't pop up and cause trouble? Maybe forcing Angela um, to step in. I guess that could be a season two, but at the same time, how far is that going to go? Now that now that Adrian, who was a huge part of why I liked the show in season one, now that he's gone, he's been arrested. Robert Redford would probably lock him away to keep his fucking mouth shut since he talks a lot. Um, you know, now that Hooded Justice's story is essentially wrapped up, his whole story was about, you know, taking out Cyclops and all that stuff. They're gone. They're completely obliterated. Maybe there are some Rorschach uh, survivors somewhere, Seven Calvary remnants somewhere. Um, but yeah, I feel like it's all done. I feel like if they're going to do season two, it should be three, four, maybe five episodes and just leave it at that. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Essentially, like, how many awards is Watchmen going to win? And then how, you know, how much money did it make? Did it get the viewership? It's all up to HBO, right? Yeah. It's all about money in the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would give this episode a seven. I agree with you. It's it was it's just something about it. I, I ultimately I feel as though Watchmen is better is better spent setting up mysteries, answering them occasionally, and asking more than really ultimately solving it. And maybe Lindelof as well. He's better at he's better at. Uh, I mean, Le- Leftovers was all about the beauty of having the unsolved mystery. So he he was able to get away with not solving the mysteries. Mm. While you know when you solve them, it's not that great. well Preston this is probably our last episode of the Watchmen podcast I enjoyed this 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 show I really did it's just it's annoying because when you think about it when you think about Game of Thrones we had more season with Thrones that were awesome I I, I'll still I'll still debate people on whether or not season five was good I actually liked season five I thought it was great obviously the Stan Stinks shit was 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 crap but at the same time there was other stuff in there to like than just the Sand Snake stuff. Um, but Game of Thrones... Game of Thrones' reputation is almost tarnished by its shit last season. And it's its awful last episode, which I feel as though is the worst episode in the entire series. That being said, I want to look back fondly on Watchmen, but this last episode really kind of clouds it just a tad. Just a little bit. Just a tad, but at the same time, it's not, it's not anywhere close to the horrible finales that we've been talking about. Um, and so I think it's still a really excellent series. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, I, I definitely tell people that they need to watch it. Oh but, yeah. Yeah. I got people yeah. into this too. Like it, but it's, yeah, it's like a good show. It, it's, it was, it was one small, it was one small, like it wasn't even a misstep. It was one small, not being as excellent as everything else. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah it was still pretty good. It just wasn't excellent. Um, like which the previous eight episodes were, and that's so, a good problem know. to have, though, if you think about it. Like, it has to live up to its own hype, you know. Yeah. Like, and it yeah, just couldn't do that. It couldn't stick the landing in that regard. Some people will disagree with us. Some people um, felt as though, especially on Twitter, I, I put out a, I put out a tweet um, where I said uh, essentially, uh, where is it here, real quick? I put out a tweet where I said, uh, right here. That um, wasn't a huge fan of the Watchmen finale. Do we need a season two? Eh, I don't know. We'll discuss it more 
on this yeah. episode of the podcast. And uh, shout out to Lord Anthony. He goes, are you fucking crazy? That was amazing. Hell yes, we need a season two. I'm pissed I have yeah. to wait a year. Someone's... More like a year and a half. It's HBO. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, 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 no. So first off, if it's Game of Thrones, oh, yeah, which is a cultural phenomenon several years ago. Oh, yeah, every year. But remember, Westworld took two years to come out. Two years, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, blah, blah, blah. As one person said, Angelo Bruno says, I don't know if I liked it or not. I'm thinking. Um, someone said, yeah, there was two. I will, I will say it got better the second time I watched it. It was better than the first time. The first mm. time I was like, ah, and then the second time watching, like, you know, watching it, it got, it got a little better because I spent, I spent a little more time savoring Will's speech at the end, which, which is really good. Like his discussion with Angela, like Will's stuff at the end is great. Um, and then a lot of a lot of the stuff that I thought didn't make sense actually did make sense, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah, it's a, it was okay. It was good. It was good. Look, just a tad, guys. Thank you so much for watching. As always, we'll see you guys next time on. Where we, you know what? We really need to catch up on Game of Thrones before the year ends. You know, continue uh, Fire and Blood before the imminent <laughs> announce true. of uh, Winds of Winter. Oh, by the way, did you notice that someone? Uh, bought out the windsofwinter.com. Hmm. Guys, I wonder who that was. Guys, you should definitely check out windsofwinter.com. Preston, if you remember, put that in the the description below. Yeah, we should talk about that sometime. (laughs) Because we should should do a podcast. We should do a podcast on where the hell is the Winds of Winter and talk. We can talk about (laughs) windsofwinter.com. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. And as always, we'll see you next time. Have a good one.